and welcome. Hello and welcome to Shite and Sound, the podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then follow it up with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors or director. We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode, we watched number 29 on the site of Soundlist, Mulholland Drive. David Lynch's enigmatic and elliptical dream thriller about filmmaking, identities merging and dividing, and feeling bad about getting your ex killed. Our second film this week is I Know Who Killed Me, a daring combination of Lynch, De Palma, Argento, and early 2000s Hollywood attitudes towards teenage girls. Shite and sane and sane and sane and sane and and sane and sane and sane no, okay. I, I, I've I've maybe seen one episode. Yeah, Red Dwarf is a show that, especially in its early years, is very far from being bad. Uh, uh, and you know, through the first seven, eight series, you know, there's a bunch of really strong stuff, mm. and it has aged a lot better than I thought it would. Right. Um. And. But the fandom around it is so glommed onto it. And it just recently, uh, Rob Grant and Doug Naylor, who both created it, the two creators, the two owners of it, have had a massive falling out. And now there's just massive legal action between them. Right. That is like, it's already really fucking ugly. It is, it's, it's, it's a war between two people. And, and when they, when the major, Red Dwarf fansite had to report on this. They included like this quite emotional letter from the founders being like, we are the children torn between our two parents. And I was like, how did you let, how did as much as, yeah, like I call Doctor Who my resident mythology, but if like, but if like Chris Chibnall and, and Stephen Moffat had a fight. Yeah. I would just be like, what? The? Well, like the, the, the useful thing about Doctor Who is that it, it's a sentient narrative that like, no, like the thing is like, if I found out that like David Whitaker, Veria Tulamba and Waris Hussein were all like massive, massive anti-Semites and their intention in making the show is like, oh, yeah, no, the, the Daleks are Jews <laughs> and, yeah. and it's about how it, the Holocaust was good. I would then have to pen like a letter being like, I have never misread a text more. <laughs> you know, I have never misinterpreted something. More. But it is, but the, it, that it's just become, but even then I would just be like, Oh wow. I wouldn't be like mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like when it turned out, Marcy sucked. I was like, Oh man. But I wasn't like, it, and that just yeah. makes me. It, well, that like, feels so like, hollow, you yeah, know. Like two of my favorite like musicians of all time are Henry Rollins and Steve Albini. Yeah, and, and they, they, Chris Brown. Fuck you, uh, <laughs> Henry Rollins and Steve Albini. Fucking hate each other. There, there was like at least one episode of of Rollins' radio show 
where, where he talks about Albini's production, and it's like, the, the reason he, he mixes people's vocals so low is because he's never written a good lyric. <laughs> and, you know, there's like, there's stuff like Albini talking about Rollins and like how, you know, he thinks he's like a boring muscle head and, you know, he's, he's, ne- he's, never, he's never done anything interesting. But, yeah, but like, my two favorite musicians hate each other yeah. as well. And, and, it's Radiohead and Radiohead, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. That was the joke I was going right. for. Anyway. But yeah, I'm, I'm like, and that, that's, that's like fine that they get to hate each other. It, 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 like it, does, it does not affect me that these two guys who both had like a massive impact on how I think about music and art. Um, it, it doesn't matter that they hate each other. And it all ends up being that people's ideas of the world, like, for me, art is about looking through, is, is something you look through. I think we're in the episode. I don't know where we started, but this is, I'm building to something. Sure. So, hi, welcome to Shite and Sound. My name is Uther Shite. I'm Finn Sound Nicholas. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the 24th minute of the episode. Uh, no, I, I, let's say maybe 10. Uh, uh, um, it, 30 minutes of recording. Yeah, yeah. But no, you heard the intro. We watched Mulholland Drive, uh, uh, and I know who killed me. But anyway, uh, uh, the thing about that kind of obsessive, like, uh, uh, of fandom is that people always end up when they do this. And like, I am speaking from experience. I, uh, the witching hours is a project I am very, very proud of, mm. but started as me ripping off the twilight. So sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and I, and I've tried to develop it into something slightly different and leaning into the comic angle of it. Because when I was like, Oh, what I can do is lean into the technology dark angle of it. Black Mirror came out, but any, anyway, Charlie Brooker. Yeah, uh, I mean, I can't be angry at him. No, the work those people end up creating, and like you can fucking see it everywhere. I'm not calling this necessarily bad, but it is like, it's just people doing fucking impressions. It is like how even most indie comics. Are people being like, I had this idea for a Superman story, and so I'll make up a character called a Spooperman. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, and you're just like, no, like what? What if, what if there was a rich guy uh, dressed yeah. up as a uh, flying squirrel? Uh, but, uh, yeah, but and, and it's a uh, commentary. Yeah, and uh, you know, psychic who is uh, a vole. And, and it is, and like there are great, there are great artists and, and and great works of art that clearly reference other works of art. Mulholland Drive <laughs> exists as the mirror image and response to Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, like uh, Sunset Boulevard le- literally turns into Mulholland Drive, right? Yep. When you're when you're driving through LA, and and like the movie Sunset Boulevard itself is 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 a response to like a bunch of movies from the thirties. Yeah, and, and and also, but like there, there's imagery within Mulholland Drive that is that's clearly from stuff. Just yeah, uh, look looking at my my Blu-ray shelves, <laughs> but it's like Submarine, Richard Ayoade Submarine, mm-hmm. right? Is I think an incredibly strong film with really clear tonal references yeah. uh, he is making where he is quoting other work. Wes Anderson, right? Yeah. He just made, he his most recent film <laughs> was him being like, I would like to make a New Yorker film. But but they still transform it and make it their own. And like, that is the success of Mulholland Drive. And like, the failure of I Know Who Killed Me is that that is made by someone with exquisite taste. Like, the person who made I Know Who Killed Me 
at least the writer, mm. like clearly loves Lynch. Yeah, loves the Palmer, loves like loves like the, the, the visuals of Italian horror. Yeah, uh, loves Hitchcock. Yeah, yeah, lo- yeah, lo- loves like weird body horror stuff yeah. and w- what that can like tease mm. tease out of something. But the problem is, is that what it amounts to is kind of a bunch of impressions. Yeah. It is like like the problem with Guns Akimbo to massively change tracks slightly is not that any of the action scenes individually are bad. It is that if you have seen enough action films, each scene you're like, oh, okay, this bit you're doing a bit from The Killers. Or, okay, right, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. okay, yeah, this is a bit where you're kind of doing that scene from Equilibrium. And then you're just like, oh, okay. I just see it's it, it is it's not a film it's a uh, a CD of music someone has burnt for you yeah and like that is what I know who killed me which I think we're both on the page of being like is it being like one of the worst films ever is largely an act of sexism yeah. against uh, uh, Lindsay Lohan who is someone who was driven into a horrific state by. Uh, factors outside of her control, yeah, it, including it, it, fame and her horrific parents. Yeah, it is not a good movie, but it is a like one and a half or two star movie rather than a half star movie. Well, and it, we'll we'll get to it. What it is is it's a really missed swing, mm, and yeah. if it had connected, it could be it could be Drive, you know, mm. in the way that like Drive directed badly <laughs> would just be a straight to Blu Ray uh, film. Like, Drive directed badly would just be nonsense. Oh yeah, I'm I, okay. I've got another take. Drive directed badly would just be Baby Driver. Um, no, that's, that's a movie I like. Yeah, it, but like, right? You like it? Oh, uh, I really loved Baby Driver when I first saw it, but I I have never really had the urge to rewatch it. Yeah, and now I won't. Um, but but anyway, like I know who killed me is one of those works. Uh, it is it, it is looking at like Lynch generally, but also it really feels like Mulholland Drive specifically, yeah. especially in its relationship uh, to sexuality, to uh, identity. Oh man, is identity the most boring theme in anything? Because uh, everything is literally about identity, right? Yeah. I cannot think of a narrative. It is like how if you flip through a French I mean, yeah, festival program and half of them talk about playing with a sense of fun or play and you're like, oh, yeah, so you want to be entertaining. You're exploring entertaining an audience. Yeah, like, but the thing is, they're not committing to it. They're just exploring it as a concept. Like, what would it be like if we did hypothetically entertain someone? Yeah. Uh, like, oh, you probably won't find out. I mean, and that's, you know... In comedy, we just call that alternative comedy, which is people being like, you know, I could entertain you, but in fact, I will not. And you'll love it. Yeah. Uh, um, Because I'll say something you politically agree with or and then followed up with a fact where you're like, oh, I didn't know that. And you'll feel smart. Yeah. There's a real, real fine line between alt comedy and TED Talks. Yeah, both 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 from overused projectors. Hi, we're back. Just so you know, Ufer has now finished crying. <laughs> I've never finished <laughs> crying. Uh, uh, well, isn't that? Do you know one day you'll have finished crying forever? Yep. That is that like the millennial one day 
your mother picked you up, put you down, and never picked you up again, uh, uh, is that, you know, one day you'll cry for the last time. Oh, no, if you die crying, you cry forever, right? Like, uh, Yeah, I don't know. I think it's the law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in... in- uh, it, it's... It's like how if your tombstone doesn't say rest in peace, you're automatically drafted into the skeleton <laughs> war. Uh, and, and rest in power um, makes you one of the captains or field marshals <laughs> in the skeleton war. Um, and and uh, being cremated makes you the gunpowder in, yep. the, in the ghost guns. It's a, it's a very complicated. I'm so glad that we've got those necromancers uh, uh, being like, hey, I love romancing Nikto. <laughs> this is what they told me about the other side. So, um, what, like, the thing I'm trying to frame is mm. that, like, but also, uh, uh, Mulholland Drive and I Know Who Killed Me are both works about obsession. Sure. Uh, they, yes. They, they are, uh, and they are about people becoming so obsessed with journeys uh, uh, that the idea of what is real. Uh, becomes blurred yeah. and like the disconnect between real and true is separated and, and is like, and kind of the best way to encapsulate. Cause like Mulholland drive spoiler alert. I think that film is sound. Yeah. I would personally, I yeah. would agree with that. Uh, 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 I think the Mulholland drive is the film that I understand the least that I like the most. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of what my equivalent to that is. Oh, actually, actually uh, okay, it's it's Mulholland Drive or Last Year at Marion Bad. I, there are specific points of intersection in a lot of films I don't quite understand. Like, I'm still really lost. Like, I often struggle to see how titles represent what they speak to inside mm. a film. Well, and like Lord of the Rings, right? Mm. There are no anuses in that at all. Classic you for Joe. <laughs> but like... Why would you fellowship well, of the okay, Because here's the thing: is it was a parody of the Burger Rings ad <laughs> campaign, Lord of the Burger Rings. Was that? Um, yeah. Do 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 you, do you not remember that classic Burger Rings ad campaign? I always, I've never enjoyed Burger Rings. No, uh, are, uh, are, are a, a kind of oddly acidic tasting, like like ch- chalky textured. <laughs> yeah, like corn puff. They're circular. Yeah. But they've yeah, no, always been really. They've tasted really harsh to me. Yeah, always. no, anyway. I, I, I never liked burgerings. I never liked Cheez-Its. Yeah, ne- rations and twisties. I, I also didn't, didn't care for those. Oh, God, I, fuck I, was, I was just a, shut up. No, shut up. I was like regular chips. F- Re- regular chips. Yeah, are already but regular really good. chips are different. They they are they are better. No, it, we're in an apples and oranges situation. Um, in that, look, they are all just a delivery mechanism for flavor and fat <laughs> and carbs into my mouth. Yeah, but that, okay. Uh, uh, we've got Julia Child on the show. <laughs> Top of the list. Pizza. Yeah. Matu lasagna. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, number three, uh, a slightly worse lasagna than the first lasagna. <laughs> yeah. Number four. My brother, Luigi. Yeah. Uh, number five, uh, macaroni cheese with bacon. <laughs> Yeah, like, okay. I, yeah. Number six, fish and chip shop chips. Uh, number seven, uh, McDonald's chips. Number eight, uh, just any chips you can get at the supermarket. Then, like, 
a lot further down you're getting like rations and burger rings and twisties and stuff. Okay, so where where does your first piece of roughage really enter the list? Oh, like probably like popcorns in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I do, yeah, I love popcorn as well. I do. I wish I could invent a tap for popcorn. <laughs> you know how like people in their fridge have ice and water machines. Yeah, yeah. Or like how like bars have, have like TV remotes for soft drinks. Oh man, yeah. And it's the dream. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I mean the the dream is like having like if 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 if, if I just had a hose for ginger ale, well, I, I would like no one would ever see me again. Okay, here here's the dream: you have Inspector Gadget hands. And you can just open any the end of any finger, which is absolutely indistinguishable mm-hmm. in every way. Yeah. Until you do this, you can open the end of any finger and emit any liquid, and it's a perfect recreation of it. Yeah. And you it, can. Close it makes it. it really funny when you do finger guns at someone. Yeah, yeah, because then you can fire at like fire can come out of them, mm-hmm. or like if they're beneath you, you could drop some just corrosive acid on them absolutely um i i guess i'm that's the dream and obviously at the same time uh your feet can do solids but that's just on the soles and so it's like as you walk you can leave like slices of bread behind you or yeah uh, a roast pieces of bologna yeah interestingly only individual pieces whereas Mm. you can do whole roast or yeah, uh, corn cobs. But, but, but like, it, it does mean you can make a sandwich if you start. You like jump a bit, and you yeah, leave yeah. a bread. And you jump, a, and then you like you land on bread. You jump up, you leave a bologna. You jump up again, do yeah. another bread. That, that, that that's a squashed bologna sandwich. Right no, no. If you do it, like, obviously, there's a whole section uh, of TikTok of people who are, have turned that into like dances where they can. I once saw someone do a tap dance routine that ended with them having a full Reuben in one hand and a uh, nice uh, espresso martini in the other hand. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting to be like, oh, this dream I've been discussing has somehow manifested into life. But, oh, baby, baby, it's a world. Uh, So dreams manifesting into life. The thing... That I think, and as we started my point, we both agree Mulholland Drive is good. Yeah. And I don't think, we, we don't think that I Know Who Killed Me is abysmal, but it's it's a bad film. Yes. Uh, uh, it's an interesting bad film that I think there's quite a lot of people would get out of it. And uh, uh, a lot of people have made really interesting redemptive readings of, yeah. which I appreciate rather than agree with. Yes. But also a large part of those are women talking about how they feel empowered by it, which is something that I am only a little qualified to talk yeah. on. There's I've, also I've, a reading I've seen a lot of people make of Sucker Punch, which I also disagree with there. Yeah. Even though it seems like there are a lot of women who that had like a really positive impact on. Well, and in, in, in both cases, you can see it, right? Yeah, like yeah. it's uh, um but I think the major difference of between what makes them good and bad, apart from the fact that uh David Lynch is maybe the best living director. Yeah, he yeah. knows how to point a camera. He knows how to direct. He knows how to cut. It's exquisite. The sound design, uh, um, like that aside, and as someone with like a real handle on 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 like horror and 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 trauma and 
and like how and how to depict those things on film but also like like everything every yeah, yeah. is there an element of filmmaking uh, i mean like real i, I think re, there's some issues of representation in his work and but anyway uh uh it's like the thing i think the easiest way to mark why because they're both films that like yeah decouple truth from reality and um, Mulholland Drive is the story of Naomi Watts who arrives in in La La Land as mm-hmm. I and no one else call it and is like oh I've got this wonderful dream I want to make it big and, and she meets a uh, Laura Herring who has lost her memory yep. after being in a car crash and then uh, you'd never guess it things go a bit weird they get auditions yeah. they kind of get into films they don't they uh, people have been killed or not been killed or is the whole first two hours a dream yeah uh, maybe they go to this uh, club and it's maybe the most compelling scene in all of cinema and the the competition for that are two other david lynch <laughs> scenes you know uh, and to be clear one is uh, uh in, in in dreams uh, yeah in dreams i mean the whole brothel bit mm. in in blue velvet and the other is uh, episode eight of of sure, the return yeah, yeah. Uh, of yeah that song uh, that mushroom cloud the got a light oh David Lynch you know how to put shit together and so do all of his fucking collaborators Mary Sweeney Badalamente I cannot remember the cinematographer's name uh, the cinematographer the, the the cinematographer is Peter Deming yeah great shit that all aside <laughs> uh, uh, the difference. It is that the the truth that Mulholland Drive lands on as it keeps questioning what is real is a truth that feels true. It it it, it is about an emotional state, an emotional set of movements where you are like, oh, you know, uh, you're looking into the memory analyzer and you mm. look up at Ryan Gosling and you say, someone lived this, you know? Uh, uh, and whereas I know who killed me, which is kind like uh, uh, which is about a uh, a woman is kidnapped and tortured, yeah, uh, and then she or someone who looks like her is found by the side of the road, and it is unclear who and is now saying she's someone entirely else. The yeah. the the woman who was kidnapped was a um. Was a high school student. Yeah, she, she was a, 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 a she, she was a talented young writer and yeah. pianist. I was or, so or, ready for you to say talented, Mister Ripley. But mm-hmm. anyway, she's a nice girl who gets good grades and is yeah. always nice to her parents. And then this this new girl who's been found by the side of a road. Yeah, she says she's called Dakota Moss. Yeah, she says that her mum was a crack addict, mm-hmm. and she says that she's you know she's a strip and she's she's a bad girl who likes. Uh, sex and uh, saying the f word, <laughs> and, and it, finger blasted. <laughs> um, anyway, it has much more of a thriller structure, but also is is more dreamlike than you'd expect. It it slips between the present and the past, recollection and recreation, yeah, and, and and essentially like d- 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 does like. In in lots of movies like this, where it's kind of like a, a a kind of dumb horror movie with like lots of switching between the past and present, there was like a real emphasis on making it explicit, like when we're in the past, when we're in the present. But, but, but like this one does 
I think, a pretty good job of, of like trusting the audience to understand when it is switching. Well, and, and also that trusting the audience to realize that there are times where it is ambiguous, mm. either which Lindsay Lohan we are looking at or where in the timeline yeah. uh, we are, and, and trusting that we will be like, oh, you're doing this in, intentionally. Yeah. And it, 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 like like m- 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 most bad movies like this are super didactic. Yeah, and just like keep on explaining everything. And one of the things of this film's credit is like it does not do it. It allows that ambiguity to exist and, and, and to like escalate. Well, and, and there are times where a part of the frame is the FBI investigating. There's the serial killer. Mm. Uh, they are sure that this is just uh, uh, the, the 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 high school student who went missing, pretending uh, deluded or having some kind of psychotic break mm. and thinking she's someone else. And those scenes where there are a couple of, and apparently there are a load more of, are really the end of Psycho, end of Dress yeah, to yeah. Kill, let's explain this shit. It is, for, for a script that I think is doing really interesting things at times, those are the bits where I'm like, oh, okay, a studio exec was like, but what? But I need, can you can you give me a bit where Morpheus holds up a battery, please, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, if 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 this scene, uh, if this movie was like fifteen minutes shorter and got rid of like all of the police stuff because like they, they are not important by the end of the movie, like it's just, just like just it's, they, they just don't matter. If, if this movie got rid of all that stuff, it would be it would be a better movie and it would it would feel like so much more Lynchian. Yeah, and and, and yeah, ultimately it builds up to a reveal and and kind of crucially an answer. Mm. If everything falls into place. You can you can go back and be like, I nice, see how this all all fits together. Yeah, uh, in a in a way uh, that is like uh, satisfying and kind of interesting and not what you expect. It's it. I think it is the least thematically interesting answer to the situation. Sure, yeah. But, but the key thing, like, we shouldn't spoil it because it is an interesting experience to watch this film. It, it is a, a big reminder of how, like, for no matter how horrific her life has been, like, Lindsay Lohan is a talented performer. Mm. Like, and she is not, she was making this film while in uh, recovery for drug addiction. Yeah. Which is like, like yesterday I mistimed some of my medication by a couple of hours and was useless for the whole day. And like giving this performance while giving up <laughs> actually terrible drugs yeah. is really impressive. And also doing it under, cause this was made under the peak of uh, her being uh, hounded yeah. by the press that famously there are a couple of times where paparazzi are just in the background. Uh, if you look right. for them, okay. uh, every moment on set was, was documented. And it, but like the problem is that the, and it is, it is about decoupling, like what feels true, who, who is she or they, and like, is there one or is there two of them? You know, and, and how the answer to that question, it feels like ends up being like, oh, it's kind of complex. But the way it gets to that decoupling real from true is that the true ends up on 
doesn't feel true. No. It feels, it feels, I want to say like bullshit. It turns into like dumb movie cliches in regards to like a, a, a lot of the reveals in, in, the, in the like last half hour of a movie. Oh yeah. I, I want to speak to that and to, and to do that, I think we'll need to spoil it. And so I want to say, skip ahead. Uh, uh, um, I'll, I'll put the robot voice in, in a second, telling you where to skip ahead to, uh, if you don't want to be spoiled on this film again, I like, if you feel like you might get something out of it, it's not good, but it's not boring. Yeah, and uh, I, 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 I like, I, I really think its reputation is like a hilarious bad movie is overblown. Like it, it's like there, there are a couple moments that are like, that, that's like kind of so bad it's funny. But I don't know. It, it, it's like for, for for most of it, it's just kind of a thriller that doesn't totally land. Well, and, and uh, a lot of the haha, it's so bad, it's good, comes from the fact that, that Lohan's stripper character is, is deliberately played. It, it is very intentional that some of the, the, the horror of her world is, is that the, how she works is incredibly bleak and grimy. Sure, yeah. Uh, 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 her, her, her stripping scenes I like, does it stare at her a bit more than I want it to? Yes, but they're not hot no. and they're not trying to be hot. They are about this woman who has been through has the whole of her life shit on her. And she is now at rock bottom. And, and at the time I could see the cruel world, probably including myself seeing it and being like, Oh man, Lindsay Lohan has fucked her life so much that this is what it looks like when she does a strip scene, you sure, know? Yeah. Um, I think, I think part of that is people mistaking, uh, uh, the, the point for, for, for incident. Well, yeah, no, it's, it, it, it's, it's the like, it's, it, it's the thing that people get mad at on the internet, you know, about, about like the, about like the haircuts in the last duel, where they're like, if this thing in a movie is not exactly to my sense of aesthetics and like what, and like, what should be cool or, yeah. or what should be hot, then that means the movie's a failure. It means it's a moral disaster. I, and I mean, uh, I'll go back and listen to our three-part Shine Sound, Shine Showdown for The Crown, 2021 3.0 plus 1.0.1, Thrice Upon a Time, uh, uh, where we, we go speak to that in depth. Where yeah. I do think it is kind of a moral disaster. And anyway, uh, no, it's not. It's good. It's on the list for a reason. Anywho. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I, no, I just, yeah, I want to speak uh, to what you said a little earlier, but it will require spoilers. Uh, so if you feel like you should see this film and might get something out of it, I gen- genuinely skip this, skip yeah. to 32 minutes, 57 seconds. Okay. So obviously, uh, they're twins, they're twins separated at birth yeah. and they have this, a uh, sibling stigmata thing happening, which is the bit where you're like, that's the bit where I'm like. Is that the metaphor you're going to? I don't quite know. Like, that's the bit of true that doesn't feel true. You sure, know? yeah. And, and I, the thing I think is that I think what that is going for is because I, I did not meet my brother until he was 19 and I was like 26. And it's a very, very strange experience. He's, he's a, like a radiant. He's great. I love him so much. He is my brother. Mm. It was it was circumstance that kept us apart. Right. I have a therapist for a reason. Let's anyway, but not because anyway. Radiant's great. Ah! <laughs> but meeting him for the first time 
is was an incredibly strange experience because we grew up on totally different sides of the world mm. in very different environments with like almost everything about our lives was different apart you know we we we're Caucasian cis men yeah uh, and yet when I met him it was and like beyond having the knowledge you're like oh yeah no obviously we're related in in a way where you're like in in, in that there is a connection so instantly and, and, and it, it feels really weird. And I kind of think that that is like the feeling of familial connection is kind of the truth it's aiming for. At, right. At yeah. Do you know, like that is in the way that we'll, we'll talk about Mulholland drive, uh, uh, what the truth at the center of Mulholland drive is. And like the, the key mistake it makes is making it be like, psychic stigmata sibling thing where you're just kind of like no it should just that doesn't quite you know yeah or let that be let that be unsaid i think is the thing and so it doesn't yeah like because you can feel connected to people far away right like that can feel true sure but like they just it's it's the detail of expressing that 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 is the problem uh does that does that make sense yeah like yeah uh, we're back. Uh, 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 there, we're, we're done. We've spoiled who who killed me. Because uh, 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 she knows. Yeah, she bloody says it at one point. Yeah, that is. And I was like, "Yay!" I mean, because like, what, 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 what else are you supposed to do when someone says the name of the movie in the movie? And so, yeah, a long while ago, I explained why why uh, I. I know who killed me feels false. And, and to me, like, cause my, my big take on Mulholland drive that I've kind of been building to over this podcast. Yeah. It's a plan. This is lost. Mm. Um, it, it is, I, yeah, I don't films about filmmaking, uh, self congratulatory to me. They, they, they are novels about people who can't write novels that they, they are, are paintings of pe- painters. no, the, that that painting in French Dispatch is actually real good. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay, that's an exception. It's an exception if um if God Tony Revolori does it of himself well <laughs> in a manic episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, what a film! You're right. It is better than no sudden <laughs> no sudden move. We're back in the argument. No. <laughs> anyway, look, I fucking won that papers rock fair and square. And, and, and just if this is left in for for people at home. There are several rounds of that paper scissors rock cut out. There were so many ties, it was crazy. <laughs> and, and a couple of times where we just managed to fuck it up. Anyway. Yeah. It got to the point where, where we tied in paper scissors rock so many times in a row. I was like, oh, we are just the same person, aren't we? And like, there are films about films that are fucking great. That yeah. I fucking love. Sunset Boulevard. Like, there's so fucking many. A, a cinema paradiso. Mulholland Drive, I think, is the exception. Mulholland Drive is the film about filmmaking, and it's so fucking about filmmaking. Yeah. And it's about auditioning. It's about what it's like on set. It's about Justin Thoreau going, can, I, can we have the room, please? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's about filmmakers trying to retain control in, in the face of a studio system. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's about what it takes to, to like, it's about, like, what it takes to, to like, make it in Hollywood. There's sorts of compromises that, like, everyone has to make in order to keep all the insane, irrational, violent, power-mad people at the top happy. Um, and it, 
but to me, that is not the tr- like that is that's not the thing that's like interesting to you about Mulholland Drive. Oh well, and like it's not not interesting. Sure, yeah, to, yeah. to me, D- David Lynch could write a film on any subject, and his perspective would interest me. Yeah, but like all those details of filmmaking, and, and like the the numerous long interpretations about that go beneath, you know, your entry level meat and potatoes. The first two thirds are a dream because she's guilty about we all. Yeah, we know Yeah, that like, yeah, okay, cool. Go back to your YouTube video essays. We got it. And then the second level that's like, no, it's really about how like ideas flow through Hollywood and who has the power. And I just like, I think those things like that set of signifiers and like things he's obviously so interested in are the real that the film slowly disconnects from. And, and the the truth that remains, and like obviously it does this through, is this a dream? Is this mm. a scene? Who are these people? In what moment are we in? Yeah, uh, uh, it, it uses the language of cinema of real and not real, and the the language of performance and lip syncing in, in the silencio scene. But the the truth that remains at the heart of it, uh, in the way that I, I know who killed me is about the thing I said in spoilers. It is not about like, ah, oh, you know, oh, it's hard to make movies, but they make it all okay, you know? Or or even like, we have to tell stories, which are like, to be clear, both things I incredibly agree with. Uh, I would say that they're two of the three big things I agree with. But what, what Mulholland Drive is about to me is about how things... Uh, uh, don't is about the whole moral that we're talking about, which is that things don't need to be real to feel true, yeah, or to be beautiful. And it is like encapsulated Club Silencio. Yeah, there is a very strong argument to be made that that the scene in Club Silencio is just the best scene in any movie. There are things that I would put up against it, yeah, but there is really nothing that I've watched as many times as I've watched this scene makes me feel as emotional as this scene does without me like really fully understanding what's going on. And like, and like that is the power that, that the like scene yeah, is talking yeah. about of like film as a medium and like art in general yeah. has such a like weird power over us and our brains that we like can never really fully understand. And just like the fact that you, you can present a human with something that they obviously know is fake and it's still like move them to tears yeah. or like make them reconsider their like relationships with other people. How powerful that is, that is as an experience. And, uh, yeah. the club and there, there is like nothing else in film, I think, that, that, that captures that idea as well as Club Silencio does. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, Club Silencio, uh, if, if you haven't seen the film or if you haven't seen the film, uh, uh, like check out Mulholland Drive. It's, it, it's, I, pr- it, I promise you it's real good. And, and like, it's also, God, well, we should have this pre-recorded at this point. We've been talking about it real pretentiously, but like, there's a bunch of good jokes in it. There's a bunch of good scares in it. Uh, uh, all the performances are great, and it moves at a great clip. It, yeah. it is. It's it's weird, but it's not boring. It's never boring. Anyway, uh, it's, it, it, it is also a movie you 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 should make sure you 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 like, can see in the theater or somewhere you can hear it as loudly as possible. Yes, because it it has like uh, the, the, it, it. I mean, first of all, it has a it has a fantastic score by Angela Badalamenti. Yeah. But first time for everything, uh, am I right? Yeah, and like, the, 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 like, the, the, there is kind of nothing better than than hearing Angela Bedlamente score a David Lynch film. 
I but, mean, but, Johnny but, Greenwood scoring a P.T. Anderson sure, film, yeah. but like, it, but, but, we're, we're in rarefied air. Yeah, if, but like, the other thing this film has is the sound design was by David Lynch. Which is, I believe, the case with not all, but most, the, right? Yeah, with a lot of them. And the way this movie sounds is, like, is, especially when you get into, like, the last half hour, is yeah. so just overwhelmingly just uncomfortable and 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 oppressive well, and, and and like you 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 really need to be able to just like fully like experience how like how overpowering those sounds are yeah it, it, it's textural yeah and false noise. the club the club silencio scene uh if you've not seen it or if you don't remember it, it, it is a scene where uh laura herring and naomi watts uh go to a club uh it's unclear why it kind of comes to them in a dream or it's in a dream or it's in a dream within a dream or it's the only true bit. It doesn't matter. Um, and a man called the magician comes out and says, let's do the greatest magic trick. Uh, uh, look, this person sings, but they don't sing. It's pre-recorded yeah. because uh, uh, they lip sync and it's like, ah, got you. Or none of this is real, yeah. and he is uh, looking right down the camera, being look. And now I'm just gonna disappear because I was never really here because he's not really here into smoke that contains light. Mm. And then out comes uh, uh, a woman who Rebecca Del Rio, who, who is playing herself, who, yeah, who s- lip syncs along to a recording of herself and it is it's revealed at the end like she her mouth stops moving and the singing continues but like if you're looking closely and you are because you're watching these incredibly compelling shots of naomi watts uh, and laura herring uh just staring like shaking and crying and 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 intent and, 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 and like you buy it because the music is so beautiful yeah but you're also you're staring at this woman and it's obvious she's li- to me it's always obvious she's lip syncing right but it is so it that doesn't matter mm. it is it is the it is the joy the pen and teller thing which is that they understand that understanding how the trick is done does not really lessen the trick yeah uh, most of the time and that there is obviously the equivalency between that and film. Like, in a way, this this whole theme, this whole scene, this whole film is Lynch doing his version uh, uh, of the flirting scene in Sunset Boulevard when they are walking through all the right, sets, yeah, yeah. which is a scene he has talked about as maybe yeah. his favorite scene ever, yeah. which is real emotions happening in a provably fake place, in a provably fake way between people who should and shouldn't be doing them. Mm. But it is also not about that at all, because this film is a, 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 a love story and breakup album yeah. that's also a murder ballad, and uh, a pie on to nice. It's it's about every point in a relationship possible, kind of, uh, right down from when you meet them and their amnesiac who doesn't love. You know, it's the it's literally that's how all relationships start. Yeah, no, that, 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 that's the only way I can get someone to go out with me is to find someone who's who's lost their memory and say, "Oh, hey, you're my girlfriend." And then there's a hilarious romantic comedy about it. And like the end of the second act, she finds out that I was lying the whole time, but then we get back together at the end, yeah. and it's beautiful. 
can I can I pitch to you what? Okay, so yeah, obviously she's like, I can't believe you lied to me, and you're like, stop. Why are we fighting? You know, doing all the third act talks, and she's and you're like, I I only lied to you because uh, it is lies is better than truth, and she's like, I knew you'd say that. And then she runs off, but then, you know, she looks in her pocket at the um, guitar pick signed by John Daniel you gave her with it, yeah. with, the, with the lyric on it and from, uh, from, from with, with the lyric from Werewolf's Gimmick on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is, uh, bring your heroes to the wolf den, watch them all get crushed. Um. And, Get told to maybe dial it back backstage later on. Yep. Everyone in this building right now dead before the dawn. Yeah, and, and and she looks at that, and we get a montage of you know you two laughing together yeah. when you went to buy her flowers, but you forgot you had hay fever, so you sneezed and blew them all into her face. When you tried to get uh, a horseback carriage ride, but all the horses all were the dead. Horse was- <laughs> <laughs> so you, <laughs> oh, so God damn it. you being pulled along in a broken Mazda by a pack of dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and she looks back and she goes, Finn, I'm sorry. I, You're right. And then she uses the pick. And she shoves it through her nose into her brain <laughs> to give herself amnesia again so you can restart the relationship. And then a heart iris in, mm-hmm. you look at the camera and wink. Yeah, no, yeah, it's about a woman who 41st dates as herself. And, like, love isn't real. Sure. Love is not something we can hold. No. And also... Love is a story we tell ourselves, right? Like we can never truly know another person's mind. Um, I mean, there are some people where it's pretty obvious, but but you can never know if when someone says that they love you back, whether they're they're telling the truth. Yeah. And you can you can never know what's in another person's heart unless unless you're it, a surgeon. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, we can never know another person's heart or mind, and. Uh, uh, that is a lot of what the 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 textual plot drama of Mulholland Drive is about. Sure, I, are you cheating on me? I knew you were cheating on me. People being too close. Are people pretending but being real? And that is all to get to like we can never know if someone loves us yeah. or if love will end. All of the things that can conspire to like drive a wedge between people, mm-hmm. whether it is those like suspicions of, of like infidelity, yeah. or if it's like or, uh, your or, wife is sleeping with Billy Ray Cyrus, yeah, yeah. it's very high billing, yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, yeah, the fucking billing on this movie is is ridiculous. Yeah, Justin Theroux. Anyway, we yeah, yeah. Justin Theroux. J- J- Justin Theroux first build him the credits, which kind of like um, obvious. Obvious film trivia that everyone knows. Mulholland Drive was shot as a pilot, yeah. uh, a 90-minute pilot feature uh, for was, a TV ori- series. Yeah, it was originally a, a multi-camera sitcom. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, it was originally, originally, it was a Twin Peaks spinoff about yeah. Audrey going uh, to Hollywood, which is, I think, something you can still see really clearly mm. uh, uh, in a lot of it. And uh, I love this version uh, if I knew um, uh, uh, a Marvel superhero, uh, America Chavez, who is so strong she can punch holes between dimensions, uh, I, I, w- I would be like, can you take me to the dimension where everything is the same 
accept like uh, socialism and capitalism's place in the cultural consciousness is flipped and Mulholland Drive is is the same but is a spin-off of Twin Peaks and is about Audrey, you know? Uh, uh, I, I think that would have quite rolling repercussions. Yeah. I think uh, Naomi Watts, you know, who would then be the star, because this is her star-making role. Mm. Lynch shot this as, as a pilot and then uh, expanded it uh, uh, into a feature when it was not picked up. Yeah. Uh, shooting material, the bulk of which goes at the end, but not exclusively. I understand. I'm. I still haven't. I meant to watch the pilot, but right, I yeah. also kind of don't want to. Sure, but I. Th- it, it, it's it's like how I watched Heat three times last year and was always like, oh, I I should watch LA Takedown. You know, it's the one Michael Mann movie I haven't seen yet. I oh, I should get it. I should give LA Takedown a shot, and then. I just never bothered because, like, why do I want to see a, 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 a what, what, why do I want to see a version of Heat that's just uh, Heat but with worse actors yeah. and boring? Well, and, and yeah, I kind of I love Mulholland Drive so much. Yeah, I uh, uh, I kind of don't want to see it in a different form, but mm. in, in that version, and like this is just this is me looking at the film, but I feel like what I'm about to say is uncontroversial. I think it's pretty clear that like that Thoreau, um, Watts, and Herring are supposed to be like the, a troika of leads sure, who yeah. each have their own plots they follow um, and, and that they each would have throughout the series. Yeah. And so I can understand, in a way, Thoreau being credited for it. goes Thoreau, Watts, um, Herring, mm. and then like... Uh, uh, someone who's in like one scene yeah anyway, it's it's again it is crazy billing order but i think yeah i think that comes from uh, uh that initial thing and it is just that now thoreau is clearly a supporting player because the focus is thrown like the first of the leads we see is naomi watts then the second the mate the first major event we see happen to is to to laura herring and then they meet and like justin thoreau is is there? Yeah, yeah, you know? he, yeah. He, he, like, he's he's the third lead, but he's the third lead. Yeah, you know? yeah, and, and yeah, and he 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 is mostly like apart from him in, until the like last half hour of the movie. Yeah, but the thing I think that that re-editing gave the film is you know that kaleidoscopic or or kind of cubist view of relationships of making it about every moment of a relationship. Yeah. Uh, um. Uh, which is, I think, its great success, apart from all of its other great successes, which is uh, that every scene is one of the best scenes in cinema, every line delivery. You know, it's just... Yeah, like, I, I like this film. Yeah. I don't know. Is that coming across? There, 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 there really is nothing quite like seeing Angelo Badalamente holding a, holding a tiny cover espresso and with, with, a, with a clean white napkin underneath it. He takes a sip of it, holds it in his mouth for a second, and makes a disgusted look and just disgustingly dribbles it all back out mm. onto the napkin. And, like, you, usually if someone's doing, like, a spit take, it's quick. It's, yeah. it's, it's over real fast. But he, he spends about 20 seconds with the camera just sort of on his face, yeah. just going... <laughs> what a really interesting it's, example to think of. But then again, like, my first example was like, oh, yeah, when, when Naomi Watts is crying and masturbating. <laughs> That's um, also a good scene. Yeah, well, because they're... All yeah. the, like there's not a bad scene, 
Um, I, 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 I believe that was the scene where, like, where, where, where Naomi Watts is crying and masking. It starts in her face and just like pans down her body. Yeah, where you were just like, oh, David. Yeah. But like, it, it's just it is that sense of watching it, it, it uh, uh, like like this sex scene. It, 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 you're like, I get it. I get why this is happening. This is about a fantasy moment. This is this is like the joy of sex as shown by Hollywood. Um, but it is like, oh, someone could see. You know, what if <laughs> what if someone notices that we are two, you know, white men watching <laughs> a lesbian sex scene? You know, like it's that. It's that. Come on, David, don't do this to us. But what? Yeah, what that all amounts to is like. All the shit about show business and film and, and real and true is to get to uh, uh, the statement, which is like, we can never know if love is real, but that never stops it being a true and important thing. Sure. Uh, that's what I think the whole film is about. I kind of think that's what all of David Lynch's work is about in in different ways, but it is. It I, mean, is. I could definitely see an argument for that being what Wild at Heart is about. Yeah, yeah. You can make a really good argument that's what the straight story is about. And, like, of course it gets tangled in Twin Peaks, but, like, Twin Peaks is always about returning to, to, the, to what we feel. The thing that makes Dale Cooper good at being a police person and what makes those sheriffs become good under mm. his influence is that they stop caring about things that are real and start caring about the things that are true mm-hmm. um uh, it's 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 like an episode of columbo i was watching yesterday we're 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 we're, we're like I mean, columbo's first i just uh, want to say before, mm-hmm. before we get onto this like your audience your assumption is correct when off my 50 to 60 percent of what finn says starts with it's like in the episode of columbo i was watching recently guys i've been watching a lot of columbo have is you? It? You haven't mentioned it. <laughs> so, in the episode I was watching yesterday, we like first scene with Columbo. He's sitting down with some other guy, and uh, he he he's looking at the police report about this woman who's been murdered. And on one side of the desk, he's got he's got this report which just states for like bare facts about her life. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the other side, he's got a fo- he's got a photo album of hers, which is like pictures of her of her like growing up and becoming like a successful pianist, and her like breast clippings and stuff, and. He's talking to this other guy and he just keeps going back. He keeps going back and forth between like, look what they've given me to work with. Female, Caucasian, 24, born in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And then, and then over here, you know, like, and, and you know, going go, 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 go to these pictures that like, that like show her as like a full person living an important life and like being loved, being like kind of a real fully rounded individual. I mean, like, I mean, go, go, going back to like female, Caucasian. Born in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Like th- this is what they give me. This is what they expect me to work with. This is like this is nothing. Mm. And it's like the th- 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 like thing that makes Columbo a good police officer is like he gives a shit about the, the actual humanity of the people that that mm. he is that he is told are just statistics. Yeah. And I fucking I love that shit. Yeah. I, I so I guess what I'm saying is. That is I, that Columbo and Mulholland Drive are the two best pieces of media about uh, about what it's like to live uh, about what it's like to live in Los Angeles. I've never lived in Los Angeles. No, the neither. Key problem um, I'm facing. I don't, so I can't really. Columbo and Mulholland Drive are the two best pieces of media that that most fit my aesthetic idea of what living in Los Angeles is like. I, uh, but yeah, so what I'm saying is, uh, I guess 
Mulholland Drive is, uh, I, I love it. It is, it's very important to me. So out of shite and sound, I'm going to go with sound. Uh, I would also go with sound. Okay. If this is your first episode of the show, they're usually slightly more structured than this, mm. but not that much more structured. Um, but, but you know, we decide if films are shite or sound, and then we both have running lists where we rank all the films we have watched which currently stands at around, it's 150 on my list, but that's because on my list I have included uh, Cold Fish and Guilty of Romance, which were two films we watched for the show but weren't either an official pick, uh, and also uh, Force Majeure, which is under similar circumstances, and I've also not included the Neil Breen five feature film retrospective because uh, it's not on there, and also I've not included Shoah, uh, because uh, I think you can't rank that film. Sure, yeah. Uh, 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 anyway, uh, I have Mulholland Drive tied in a three-way tie for first uh, with A Brighter Summer Day by Edward Yang and Possession. That is, that's my change. I was like, I cannot, I mm. can't battle... It, it, it's Possession, Brighter Summer Day, Mulholland Drive together at one, then Agira at two, mm. Night of the Hunter at three, Children of Men, Third Man. I'm like, yep, that's my five, yeah. and it's actually seven. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, so I have it at number 13, uh, in between The Spirit of the Beehive and Twin Peaks Firewalk With Me. Um, Yeah, that is, yeah, I just think about it. It's just one of those films I, I noodle on uh, uh, a lot. Mm. Now, uh, Finn, you will be uh, horrifically shocked to know that there are, in fact, some people who look at the the work of Dave Lynch uh, uh, and have a bit of a uh, problem with it. Oh, that yeah? he, he, he's, they think he's a bit... Anyway, <clears throat> so I am, uh, but it is hard. And so uh, I, I, I want, I'm going to read you a negative review from uh, Letterboxd. Uh, most negative reviews are, uh, you know. Are from, are from idiots mm, or, 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 or are jokes. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're mainly uh, like, yeah, jokes from people whose top fours are four police academy films and yeah. things like that. You're like, oh, David Lynch put the scenes in the wrong order, lol. And, and some, are, like, some seem to be legitimate complaints about how male gazy the film is, which uh, I think the, yeah, if I have a problem with Lynch, it's how he looks at women uh, within his films. And I, I, but I also think he is aware of it and at least doing something with sure, it. Sure, yeah. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? Um, I mean, uh, yeah, he, he's 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 a he's a guy who is, I think, very open about the fact that, like, it, you know, like you you like you do you you don't make Twin Peaks unless you have uh, very specific fetishes for uh, for a woman in nineteen fifties clothing. <laughs> he's a filmmaker who is uh, very open about uh, the stuff in his films that makes him horny. Well, and it's also it's all about the the acknowledged but false idea of 
the good old days, which mm. he both loves and also understands uh, has a rotting ear in, yeah. in the garden. Anyway, uh, 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 but within, and, and some of the negative reviews are just people who cannot engage with a film that does not have a linear story, uh, uh, which I can accept if that's not like how you like to uh, engage with art generally. But it is also like, it is not illegitimate for a work of art not to have a, a, a linear story. It can be mm. not to your taste, but it's not yeah. default wrong. Uh, and so I didn't, I didn't go with those. So, and, and, and like, it, it, if, if it is something you have trouble with, like just try, 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 try like just give, give it, give it more of a shot. It's it, like v- v- those, those things they're like on their face seem, you know, like pretentious or, or like, 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 like they're just trying to fuck with you or waste your time. It, and, and a lot of them, there is a lot of incredibly good stuff to be found if, if you are patient with them. Well, and like Mulholland Drive, for, yeah, as as uh, for, for, as much as we've said pretentious things about it and acclaimed scenes of like depth of theme, mm. it is it is about it's just a bunch of great scenes about kind of love and fear. Yeah. And it is in the, the, the sensational or experiential experience of watching it is not intellectual. Like, yeah. that is, like, well, yeah, the, re- the like first couple of times I watched it, I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. And it, and it, it is still just incredibly compelling viewing. Well, and it is like the idea of there being a complete right answer to it mm. is, is antithetical. To, to Lynch and his work, sure, right? yeah, uh, uh, in in that the, they are things that that you feel, and that that's fine, yeah. And it is that like David Lynch, uh, the reason David Lynch is is of you know art house is the most mainstream art house director in a way. If you understand kind of what I mean, like yeah, he, yeah. like obviously there are you know you know anyway like he's he's the weirdest guy with the with the biggest name. Yeah. Uh, and like the reason he got to that point and like writ large in, in the, the commercial success of Twin Peaks it is that as weird as it is, uh, uh, his, his work is light and fun to watch. Yeah. Like it is, it's weird and dense and complicated, but it's also just like comforting and funny and silly and, yeah. and, and, always even when it is going into the darkest of places um ha- has a heart that looks for hope and truth mm. a- except maybe in firewalk with me and maybe that's why you prefer firewalk with me to mulholland drive mm. but that that is i mean firewalk with me is also and has he made a bad film i mean uh, it depends on whether you count inland empire as a film basically because i mean it's a good bunch of stuff <laughs> It's a good bunch of stuff, David. Yeah, I'm, I'm finally going to watch it this year. I've been putting it off for ages. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, not. It's not. Yeah, it's not a film, <laughs> uh, and that means he's, he's hitting home runs the whole time. Um. So do you, God, where is it going with that? Yeah, no, he just makes films that are good. So do you yeah. want to hear? Uh, uh, so I found the perfect negative review Great. of Mulholland Drive. This is by Zander uh, from Buffy. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, 
and this review, I think, is a five-star review where he's typoed. Okay. <clears throat> There's only one thing you need to ask yourself. Does the idea of a two-and-a-half-hour-long Charlie Kaufman-esque fever nightmare appeal to you? Yes, obviously. Yeah, I mean, like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it, it at least takes some effort to describe <laughs> it negatively. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, like the guy who wrote Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, uh, um, uh, writing a two-and-a-half-hour-long treatise uh, 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 fever nightmare. I mean, yeah, the two times he has done that, are two of my favorite <laughs> things ever. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sweet as. Um, if yes, you'll love this film. If no, you'll probably think it's pretentious trash. I fall into the letter camp, then in brackets. Yes, I know it's not exactly a Charlie Kaufman film, hence the esque. It's well made, somewhat pretty to look at, and I see what they are going for. It's just painfully not my thing. Uh, I'm so sad for you, Xander. Yeah. But also, like... I get that, like Charlie, Co- like the the wave of Kaufman imitators uh, is annoying. Yeah, uh, but that's not Kaufman's fault. It, his his it's not his fault. He just got real good at it, and and, and remains real good at it. <clears throat> but yeah, top four. These are the class. The capital C classics. Okay. Uh, Finn's gonna guess uh, Xander's top four films. Um, <clears throat> one uh, is oh, you could call it June. It's about a good blue-eyed boy, Lawrence of Arabia. Yep, yep. I just realized that the clue was me telling you the film we paired with it when we did right, it on yeah, this podcast. Yeah. Uh, uh, the next one uh, is is a big classic that I will admit I have not seen. It's just under four hours. It 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 is is one of the. It's nothing's bigger than this. Well, uh, and when they say things are bigger than this, often they're not. Uh, Gone with the Wind? No. Uh, is, it, is it one that I've seen? No. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Cast list is either the lead who I think... Oh, yeah, the star is Charlton Heston. Oh, uh, the Ten Commandments? No. Uh, Ben-Hur. Yeah, Ben-Hur. Yeah. I just don't know it uh, enough. Mm. Uh, it's fine. The next is a musical. Singing in the Rain. No. An American in Paris. No, it's an adaptation of a play. Uh, Sweeney Todd. No, that's an adaptation of right, a musical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a musical film. That's mm. an adaptation of a play. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, it's about... Oh... Uh, what, it's it's a mononymous film. It's just you know one of those films where it's just someone's name, like uh, like Björk, mm. um, or Nine, <laughs> Carol. <laughs> um, uh, who is in this? Simon Callow. Oh, Jeffrey Jones. Oh no, Cynthia Nixon, Kenny Baker, R two D two, um, and. You know the two leads who are Vincent so sh- v- 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 Vincent Schiavelli. Yeah, he's he's in there. And there's, there's, there's a musical with with Cynthia Nixon, Simon Callow, and Vincent Schiavelli. Yeah, a musical film. Nineteen eighty four. Yeah, uh, I can't tell whether if it was directed by one person or four. It's quite ambiguous in their name. 
is their last name Foreman? Yeah. Yeah. Um, George Foreman. Yeah. Famous. Famous famous musical director, George Foreman. Musical Um, film. Right, so you're, you 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 keep specifically saying that, so you're you're fucking with me in some way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll give you one of the leads. Okay, Tom Hulse. Tom Hulse. Oh, oh, Amadeus. Yeah, see, right. There's yeah. a musical film. Yeah. Oh, right, M- M- Milos Forman. Right. Jesus yeah, yeah, Christ. yeah. Okay, so I I, I should have got it from that. Uh, uh, the next one, I don't know if you've seen it. No, this is one of the, it's it's an old, somewhat more obscure classic, but it's kind of one everyone hears about. It's a, it's a, it's a early horror or at least horror adjacent. It's an adaptation uh, uh, of, of a famous ghost story. Uh, Okay. 1961, uh, Peter Wingard. That's uh, the ca- one cast member I recognize, uh, Deborah Kerr in the lead. Okay, uh, so it's a late, uh, late, uh, late period Deborah Kerr. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, is it uh, the haunting? No, the uh, the innocence. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is yeah. an adaptation of the Turn of the Screw. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That uh, that's Zander's top four, and just I just don't. A Charlie Kaufman-esque nightmare dream is just seems like yeah, like yeah he, he's he's literally made two movies like that. They're both excellent. Oh god, when people when people express views like that, you know, I'm thinking of ending things. So do 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 we have anything else to say about about I know who killed me? I I do want yeah I think okay. I think we should do a little mini a pouch. Right. Um, which I don't, because I don't think we've really honed in. Uh, I think we should talk about the direction because I okay. think the direction is the the direction is the problem. Sure. Right. The director is like very obviously someone who has seen yeah. a, who 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 has seen a shit ton of movies and and like and and as you said like like likes all of, all of the right things. Yeah, he's a fan. He's a nerd mm. for this kind of shit. Yeah. The thing that he doesn't have a handle on. Which is something that like Lynch and De Palma and those other guys we mentioned often, if not always, have a handle on is tone. Yeah, and this really misses the tone. I think it is trying to be a dreamlike horror thriller about identity. Yeah, and none of that stuff really lands because I'm not even sure I fully know why it didn't work for me. It's like it, it uh, but, but I, I could just like feel it like not land. Uh, I I think it is. To go to go full circle, uh, and it is, you know, that my my worries about the creativity of of nerds and fandoms, yeah, is that yeah he has he has this exquisite taste. It's why one of the most withering things I can say about films is that I like all the same films that like yeah, uh, and and that is because often when people get into to when they start and like, again, in comedy, like everyone starts doing an impression of someone else and then becomes their own thing. Well, and, and some people never stop and either fail or become just incredibly popular, you know, Hmm. congrats to the three or four Dave Chappelle's headlining shows across New Zealand. What they miss. Like again, to go back to last Jedi and rise of Skywalker uh, is that Ryan Johnson looked at star Wars and was like, fuck, 
why does this work? Yeah. Well, how, and, and also, like, what, what, like, what could I do with this? Yeah. Well, and like, how do I recreate the alchemy mm. that led to moments like this? Yeah. Like, what is what is the thing like this? You know, in in the seventies, there was a sense of like the overwhelming perpetual war post Vietnam, yeah. and, and now you've got to move into a state where like now. That is, there is just a super rich class making the war still happen. It's not ideological anymore. Yeah, and and, and what and what like J.J. Abrams does in Rise of Skywalker is he looks at Star Wars and yeah. says like like how like how how like how 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 does this work? How does this, how does this fit together? What do like what like what what do we, what like what does an audience want from Star Wars? I, I don't I don't think like I absolutely agree with everything you just said in spirit, and I'm I'm going on semantics here. Uh, I think what like and it, this is also clear in Force Awakens, but it works more much yeah. more, which is that he doesn't think about how it works or even what it is that's working. He looks at the bits he likes, sure, yeah, and yeah. then is like, uh, uh, I, I, how do I twist this? Uh, uh, how do I repurpose this? How do I, how do I shift it a little so it's different or like a bit modern? But but what he is doing is it's like the trifle in Friends. Where uh, 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 Rachel mixes up the recipes, and so it starts sweet, and then there's shepherd's pie <laughs> in it, right? And, and that is like that is what fan work is. It it is someone not under not looking at how or why, but just looking at I just do that. Yep. I'll just take that thing and put it there. I will just repurpose this thing. I will just do Lord of the Rings. But uh, oh, the the elves have lasers, or um, that, that that sounds pretty good. But. Yeah, I'm I'm just gonna do Sandman, but uh, nothing. I'm, I'll I'll just try do another Sandman, and that's the other half of an independent comics. And some mm. of them are the best things ever. But anyway, um, and, and this is a film that that looks at uh, the director has talked about. Yeah, Hitchcock, mm. De Palma, Lynch, and all three of those guys for very very different in very different ways, but are all people who were like, here, there is an effect I want to have. Yes. How do I achieve that? How do I build the scene towards that effect? Mm. The, the, the scene and blowout of, of, of Travolta recording all the noises and then the car crash happens. It is an incredible symphony of split diopter lenses, uh, sound design, just, you know, John Travolta's face with headphones on it. But it, and it is, it's an incredible piece of filmmaking, but mm. it's an incredible piece of filmmaking because it is teaching you the rules of how he can hear yeah. and then expanding on them. And yeah, you could do that scene again. You know, you could shoot a scene in that way, but like when the purpose isn't there, you're just, you're just taking a photocopy. It's sure, out of context. Yeah. It is, it's mints and a trifle. We are like, yeah, Joey will eat it and like it. He's famously an idiot. <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 like even with De Palma, like that's like already kind of what he was doing. Is is like in Blowout, he's remixing Antonioni, in 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 all the rest of his films, he's well, remixing and, Hitchcock. Well, and also his own films. Yeah, uh, in but he is he is looking at yeah, like the way De Palma. I mean, De Palma really fucking engages with Hitchcock. Yeah, but all the times it's it's successful, uh, of which. Uh, We've made it on this podcast. I don't consider Dress to Kill to sure, be one. Yeah. I think that's the exception. 
is that he's looking at how Hitchcock works and going like, oh, how do I apply that logic? What's a new thing I can build? Yeah, he is finding ways to like heighten Hitchcock and to like do things that like Hitchcock was never able to do. What can I do with cameras? What can I do with editing? What can I do with nudity that Hitchcock wasn't able to do? But and but also even at a more absolutely and at at a base level, but is like hit, the games Hitchcock plays is always what does the audience know? Yeah. Uh, what do the characters know? What is the difference? When do they align? When do they diverge? And that goes into like when can you see what and and sure, things yeah, like yeah. that. And that those are all the games De Palma plays. And like Lynch's game is always like, I want to create an incredibly specific feeling in the audience. I I want to to make this thing happen in people's hearts. Yeah. A- and I'm going a- a- at this you, moment. You, you usually it's dread. Yeah. But also like so many different kinds of dread, yeah. you know. Uh, uh, and you know, often it, it's weird. Uh, you know, kind of hollow beauty or mm. anyway. Uh, and, 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 and 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 like Lynch is a master of like switching between those tones. Oh yeah, and, and but outside of the context of like just doing in dreams, you know, and like I know who killed me never does anything. It doesn't just lift anything directly, mm. but what it is doing throughout is doing things. It's like what's a David Lynch like scene. And, and, and like what, and 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 like what happens in this is the, 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 the like screenwriter and director set up a bunch of things that could be visually or thematically interesting, and then just don't follow through on them. A big thing in this movie is the main character loses an arm and a leg, and then spends the rest of the movie missing an arm and a leg. Except like she right away gets a robot arm and a robot leg, and then spends. The rest of the movie wearing long pants and long shirts. Yeah. And and so the film never has to engage with the fact that like this person is now disabled and and like yeah. apart from Favage, like a couple scenes she has crutches and one in a few shots she's on a wheelchair. Yeah. Like it, it but it it just becomes and like if, if you if you're doing a horror movie, like have, have, having your having your main character actually have to deal with the fact that they have lost multiple limbs yeah. is is like a really good way to to get like easy scares. Or yeah. or, or, or or like the fact that after after she loses these limbs, uh, uh, she uh, she she uh, she 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 sees the person who was the boyfriend of of the, the the other version of her. Yeah, and 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 there is a sex scene between the two of them, which never engages with the fact that she is missing limbs. Yeah, and like if you want to make it about the fact, like of oh, this this boy this this guy's so horny he doesn't even notice that, like like that that's one way to play it. But like but just like if they're like. Do do anything with that? Yeah, you like you like you could do anything with with with, with that. Well, and, and I think it is, and like that is specifically why I think it is mm. m- largely a directing yeah. problem because, like, yeah, that scene could be really interesting. Yeah, and the way it's executed, it's like it's just a really mundane sex scene. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a couple of minutes of of of, of like humping. Of, yeah, yeah. Of, of like mid shots of of Lindsay Lohan kind of writhing. It's uh-huh. not. It's not interesting or engaging in any way. Well, and it, it's because there's not really an there's not a scene in 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 you know in 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 a film that's like that that he can look at and lift from. Mm. And, and to be clear, this makes me sound like I'm accusing him of plagiarism. He, no, it, not at all. It is just that this director mistakes 
the surface of all of the things he likes for their substance. Sure. Yeah. And so that is why, and so he just copies the surface. And so it just feels like a bunch of impressions. And that's why it just feels so hollow. That's why mm. it doesn't feel true. It doesn't feel real or true, mm. you know? And it should be like looking at the, the strip scenes and being like, okay, so like the, those are scenes that are supposed to be about like the physicality of her body, like, like, like the, the tangibility of her presence, because so often that's going to be destroyed and perverted and questioned sure, throughout. Yeah. But it is also a scene about like loneliness and fear. Mm. And instead of shooting it the way you go like, okay, so but like, how would Lynch, like, okay, how would uh, De Palma express those things? He would be like, it would all be, it would be split diopter shots, yeah. like, of the audience staring into her. He kind of does do Lynch's version of it, which is the scene in the red room in Firewalk With Me. In the Lindsay Lohan strip scenes, all the lighting in the room is red. Yeah. It has that thing where, like, everything feels slightly out of phase yeah. of each other. But, but like... Yeah, it, it it doesn't it doesn't push it like hard enough or far enough. Well, and because it, it's copying the the surface and not the substance. Yeah, it's it's um, it, it like that. It, like that's what I wanted to talk about in terms of of directing. But it is, I yeah, I think someone could direct a really good version of this script. Mm, yeah, uh, I I think a lot of the cast do really strong work. The world has a lot of apologizing to do to to Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. Like I, I, I like personally, I, I, I don't think this is a great performance from her. Like, she, I, I think she is much better as a, as a comedic actress than a dramatic one. But, 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 like, yeah, like as you said earlier, this is like one who was like, well, like, like twenty, twenty one years old, yeah, who, who, who was recovering from cocaine addiction. Oh no, I, 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 no, I think I, I. I think it is like no, like like she 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 won like a Razzie for this, and she won the, the, she, she she won like multiple Razzies. Yeah, she was placed opposite her. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really yeah. She 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 won the Razzie for worst actress and yeah. the and the and the Razzie for like worst on screen couple. But 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 and like, yeah, no, that and she was two of the nominees for worst actress. Yes, yeah. and like and, this is not a terrible performance. This, this is not a terrible movie. I think it's a performance that isn't wholly successful, and that is. Partially because of a director. If, yeah. if David Lynch was directing Lindsay Lohan in the in this movie with a script, I think she could have given a really good performance. Uh, I I I yeah, I like it more than that, but I don't disagree with anything you just said. And I no, I do think a lot of it is that she like she is playing someone who is entirely out of sorts mm. and, and kind of she is as unsure of herself as we sure. are. And I, 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 I think it's it's one of the like re- reasons why the canyons being such a disaster yeah. sucks so much is because like she should get to work with someone like Paul Schrader. Yeah, like like that, like yeah, like L- L- Lindsay, Lindsay Lohan working with Paul Schrader seems like seems yes, it seems seems like the thing that like both of those people would have needed at that time to like make something that is both like daring and commercial and interesting and like pushes both of them to do things they hadn't done before. But yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. But I also think that that the thing she is asked to do by the script is like this crisis of identity and playing these two levels, and it being essentially like the schoolgirl. Her is 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 Lindsay Lohan as the lead of a Disney or Disney adjacent yeah. film, and and so she gives that performance, and then the other is 
is kind of like if one is the Lindsay Lohan acting, one is the Lindsay Lohan life and sure, playing the yeah. ambiguity between those two things. Uh, I, yeah, I think she is more successful at that than you think. But also I think that this film doesn't know how to shoot performances. Mm. I don't think it knows where, when to be close to someone or when to be far away from someone. There, there's, there's a lot of mid shots in this film that should be wider or should be closer. And so I think, I think what is actually a really intentional and focused performance is is lost. But I'm also mm. I'm not saying yeah. she was robbed. And yeah, no, like this was nominated for nine Razzies and won eight. And it is just like and the reason it didn't win nine is because yeah, she was nominated twice mm. for worst actress. And it is just like just fucking le- like leave her a like Yeah. It is just why are we, why hound people to suicide? Like, cause what else are they like? Yeah, no one disagrees with me. Um, but yeah, it's still a shite film. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, but it's like, it's much, it's much more interesting than, yeah, than, it, than people say, but not as good as everyone else is. Yes. Speaking of uh, not being as good as everyone else is, uh, would you like to hear a five star review of, I know who killed me. I mean, I'm, is it, like I presume there are joke ones. I presume there are people arguing it's like modern giallo or whatever. Yeah, is it which or is it people being like I I like Lindsay Lohan's boobs? Like anyway, this is a serious one. Oh, okay, cool. This is from Letterbox user Shane. Ah, right. Uh, Last night I got to watch a thirty-five millimeter print of I Know Who Killed Me with a group of fellow fans. And I truly cannot even begin to describe how much fun I had and how much I love this movie. I watched I Know Who Killed Me for the first time when I was in middle school and a huge fan of Lindsay Lohan. It was the first horror movie I'd ever seen. And ever since then, all these years later, there is still something about this film that's just so captivating to me. It's such a fucking weird movie, but that's exactly why I love it. Yeah, it was probably insane that a major studio wide released a Giallo-inspired nightmare picture into malls across America in 2007 but I'd love it even more because of that. So many people so many people were willing to make a film so wildly bold, so different than anything else. I Know Who Killed Me truly commits to its own insanity, and I think that's something we need more of in film. People who hate this movie or think it's bad are boring, dumb, and clearly, and clearly missing the point. If this exact movie was released today by someone like A24, or made as a foreign language film, it would be considered a masterpiece. No. Or or, or at the very least, have a huge cult following. N- I mean, it does yeah. have that. I think slowly, I Know Who Killed Me is getting there, especially as more people begin to look at the treatment of women in the early 2000s, more and more are realizing that most of the hate this movie got was as a direct result of its, co- of its cultural context, the cruel treatment of Lindsay Lohan. She 100% commits to her role and gives a strong performance that deserves to be recognized and praised. I've been working on a video essay defending this film oh. and detailing its fascinating production history and legacy for over a year now. Hopefully it can be part of helping reclaim this wrongly maligned horror masterpiece. So, like, the problem with Don't Look Up is is that either people are entirely dismissing it or being like, um, actually, it's really good. Yeah, and if you don't like it, you don't believe in climate change. Uh, uh, or you don't have a sense of humor. Yeah. When the real answer is... Which uh, I, I saw someone on the, on the Flophouse Facebook group say that uh, 
No, I, I you know, I, I watched Don't Look Up after hearing negative things, and I, I really liked it. And yeah. I, I, and I think that if you don't like this movie, you've never experienced depression. That statement fills me with real anger, mm. and so I'm just going to move past it. Uh, uh, how dare you fuck off? Yeah, uh, not obviously not you. Uh, um, but like the real answer uh, is that it is somewhere between the two. It, it, it is, it is a good idea. Uh, interestingly, explored with some great performances. Mm. Like I, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, there are bits of it that are the best Leo has has ever been. Like right. when he convincingly plays that he would be attracted to someone of Melanie Linsky's age, like crazy. I'd never seen him be that convincing. And like Linsky is great. I don't know what Jennifer. Anyway, but like Adam McKay. Uh, approach to tone ends up making it feel condescending. It can sure. be both. It's, it's not bad and it's not great. It is, it is, it is a mixed bag. Yeah. And it is like the, it, I know who killed me doesn't have to be a fucking horror classic. Like no. it's not like it's best scares are a couple of bits of body horror, which are like fine, but like, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. They're not particularly inventive. They just see a horrible injury occur to someone. Yeah. And it, like, it doesn't, it can just be interesting and not fully successful. Like, yeah. you don't, yeah. it doesn't have to be like, oh, if you don't like it, like, this is a horror classic. It's just like, like, if A24 released, yeah, A24 released fucking Tusk. Like, yeah, they, like, a, a- the the first A twenty four film was a glimpse inside the mind of Charles Swan the third. The fucking Charlie Sheen movie no one remembers. And, and like like they, like it's like yeah A A twenty four's released a bunch of stuff which is bad or like creatively unsuccessful. And it just and and we and it's just because we're all desperately grasping to be oh, the one who finds it. You know, yeah. The pe- oh, I'm. I, I've just. I'm. I'm the one who is who's right about like this. Like a year ago, everyone was was having a race to a love hate cats in in a way that was specific and unique yeah. to them. Uh, and where it's just like no, it it fucking just. Also, it, that, that, that was that was two years ago. No, no. <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, yeah. We can't talk about time. No. Um. Uh. Oh, mate. Do you want to guess Shane's top four films? Is I know who killed me. One of them. No, but yeah. uh, but uh, no hints. What's one of his films? Uh okay. Uh oh. Uh, Hereditary. It's like what? What? What would someone who thinks that? I know who killed me as a masterpiece. Also, like it's gone from Vivi v- v- like exact same in yeah. arc. Oh, um, this is like it's going to be so obvious, mm. and so I don't want more. Don't give me more clues. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, Miami Vice. No. Uh, okay. Yeah. No. It it, it was destroyed at the. T- oh. Is it of about the same era? Uh yeah yeah it it came out uh, uh it came out two years later. Uh, how many words in the title? Two. Is one of them the? No. <laughs> um. All right. Genre. Horror. Uh. Oh yeah. Fuck. Okay. What am I doing? 
what am I doing with my life? Good question. The, no, it doesn't have a the. It's not the Babadook. No. Stars another young woman. Okay, yeah. It was destroyed by Hollywood. Okay. Genuinely. Okay. Uh, uh, who else is not the not the star? Oh God, this is going to be so obvious as yeah, well. No, this, this, is, that, this is embarrassing. For yeah, you. no, no, no. I, I, I just have like head empty. Uh, a young Neil from uh, from Scott Pilgrim is in it. Okay, I know he's in Scott Pilgrim. Is it? Is it Scott? Pil- no. Um. Okay. Uh, uh, here, here are some other people in this movie: Chris Pratt, Amy Sedaris. J.K. Simmons, Adam Brody. Uh, I've I've not mentioned the two leads. Uh, yeah. Oh God! And like, holy shit! Do I like this film? Uh, uh I, I think you 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 like it fine. You you uh, don't you don't agree with all of the 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 Jennifer's body. Yeah. Yep. Fuck. Of course. Yeah. 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 Mm. Jennifer's body. So yeah. No, I just didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was I should have immediately guessed yeah. that. I just forgot it existed up until that moment. Yeah, no, like, like I'm so glad we have Jennifer's body. I'm sad we don't have better Jennifer's yeah. bodies. And to be clear, I think those could be made with that cast and with that crew. Yeah, uh, that's not me being like the problem is that it was written and directed and starred women. It's just like yeah, I just yeah. anyway that. Particular, anyway. Uh, the second film is another much maligned horror movie starring a woman. Uh, it's gone. It's gone through a bit of a. Whereas, like Jennifer's Body and I Know Who Killed Me were, were just like crucified on, on release. This one was also like mixed reviews, mm. with some very negative, some very positive. Uh, is it recent? Uh, yeah. Uh, is it? Uh, is anyone involved in its production? A, a, oh no, it's not. I was trying to think if it was Rosemary's Baby. I don't need to ask if. Uh, Anyone involved was a sex offender. Uh, it, um, shares, it, uh, it shares one cast member with old. Uh, they're so. They're and it shares one cast member with Gaspar Noe's love. Holy shit. That's a kaleidoscope of a film. Yeah. Um, it shares one cast member with Sense8. Uh, okay. Is it. Um, <laughs> This is where I, I should have seen Sensei. Um, is how recent? Uh, 2016. Oh, okay, okay. Um, uh, it it is uh, like Mulholland Drive. It is set in Los Angeles. Ah, uh, yeah, la, la, like Mulholland Drive. It is set in one specific industry. Uh, using the horror of young women. Ah, uh, yeah. So it is brats. Mm-hmm. No, it it is. Uh, is it? Come on, bling ring. No. No, although Bling Ring's on the list. Oh, all right, yeah, got yeah. it. Yay! Uh, that, that makes sense. Um, got okay. So like model. Yeah, yeah. Okay, mod. Uh, have I seen it? Uh, uh, I, w- I would, I would think so. Uh, you do not have it logged on Letterboxd. That means I probably. Oh, who knows? Oh, I would need to get better at that. Um, give me some cast members. You, yeah. yeah. Uh, Keanu Reeves, Christina Hendricks, Abby Lee. Uh, oh, Neon Demon. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, great film. I just, I don't really consider that. I just never, like, like all Wingdings reference outside of Drive happen in, like, Nicholas Wingdings reference land. Right, yeah. You know? So there's just one more. Uh, yes, yeah, oh, cause, yeah, because yeah, you got, uh, because you got, uh, Bling Ring. Yeah, all uh, on the floor. 
Bling yeah. ring till you want more. Uh, okay, so uh, the, the Neon Demon and Bling Ring happen in, in Los Angeles. This movie, uh, also about a young woman, uh, takes place in New York. Oh. In a specific part of New York. Uh, is it Margaret? Uh, no. Uh, okay. Uh, a specific part of New... It's, it's not as he needs to get the fuck across town. No. No, that's set in LA anyway. Um, oh. Is is the name is the part of New York in the name of the film? No, oh, okay, so it's not like but no. It, it just has like a real like strong connection to one part of New York. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, this was a real breakout film, a breakout supporting role for for a uh, for an actor who was like uh, who was like one of our guys. Ah, oh, okay. Is it girls? Um, you got the right person who broke oh, out. Okay, so and it's a horror. No, 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 no. Oh, this, uh, uh, and it's about a woman. Okay, what it? Okay, so Adam AD is who we're talking yep. about. The Adam Driver, at San Francisco. Um, a horror film. Carrie? No, it's, it's not a horror film. It's not a horror film. Of course, it's not a horror film. I. How big is it? Like, would you call it an indie or a mainstream film? Uh, this is an indie film, but kind of really uh, broke through, and. Mm-hmm. Like oh. Big Fat Greek Wedding? No. no okay. Uh, I mean, it, like, I wouldn't be surprised to see Adam Driver in that film, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, admittedly, he would be a teenager. But yeah. anyway. uh, okay. Uh, is he a big New York director? Uh, no, not, not, not that sort of accent in New York, but yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a New York guy. Uh, uh, is it, oh, is it, uh, God, uh, Woody Allen? No. No, no but, yeah. but like that, that sort of sensibility. Oh no, Gary Marshall? No, no, God. no, no. Who, like it is very hard to unpack like, what a Woody Allen sensibility. Oh, Bomba? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so it. Ah, oh. Meyerowitz? No, no. It's pre 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 Meyerowitz. Squid in the Whale? No, no. It's for, what's for Bombak where where Adam Driver had like a breakout supporting role? It's another film about a young woman. Oh, um. Come on, Francis Ha. Yes. Yeah, 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 yes, of course. Oh, fuck, of course, of course. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I just, I, 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 can I tell you, I didn't know he was in that film. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I thought. He's, he's good in it. Oh, yeah, it's a great film. Yeah. I just had never, I don't, I think I saw that before I saw um, Girls, which is where I first noticed him. Right. I think, I think Francis Ha is the same year as, as Lincoln. Oh yeah. So I, I I think in which he plays one of the vampires, right? Yeah. So like Adam Driver's in like a few like short films. Uh, he was on a show you don't know Jack, mm. and he had like a very small role in J Edgar in 2011, yeah. and then in 2012 he's supporting in Francis Ha. He has about like one scene in Lincoln. Then the next year Cohen's put him in Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, oh. And then he's and then like he becomes Bombax guy, and then a couple of years later. He's in. Uh, uh, he's in the Force Awakens, and, 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 he, then, and then Jarmusch picks him up. And he was announced. Llewellyn Davis, I believe, came out after it was announced that him and Isaac were in it. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah and and, well, and and Force Awakens, obviously, Inside Llewellyn Davis came out after it was announced that Oscar Isaac was in it. Yeah. Oh, but, what a film. Yeah. So, like, what, 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 one of the most bonkers decades from from, from, from like. From, from like 2012 until yeah. until like last year, that is an odd top four. Yeah, I mean it's, it's got it's got a consistent theme. 
Uh, yeah, someone who kind of insists on themselves. Yeah, when a guy comes up to you, he's like, hey, I love movies about women. They're my favorite movies. Yeah. You should run away screaming. But I do. But I, I do. I, yep. I do that all the time. Yep. Finn, that leaves us with one question. Mm. Finn. Yes. Where can people find you online? Uh, who gives a shit? But uh, you can find the show on Twitter at ShiteSoundPod or you can email us at ShiteSoundPod at gmail.com. And why not check out our website? It's at ShiteAndSound.com. If you like what I do, and I hope you do, uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter as at YouthAlives. Uh, put bit.ly in front of that and you'll sign up for my newsletter. I've got two other podcasts. One started off as a Twilight Zone ripoff. It's called The Witching Hours. Uh, and the other is called The Slow Path. It's a, it's a relationship podcast where me uh, and my de facto wife, Briar, watch Doctor Who until we die. Hey, our theme song is... The Nux by Kazam Bland. Why don't you check him out on Bandcamp or... In uh, 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 one of uh, uh, several movies. Yeah. Cousins, it, 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 How to Meet Girls from a Distance, Paradox, I'm sure a bunch of other stuff. Mm. If you like the show, which I hope you do, uh, um, but also if you don't, and I mean, you're lost. Uh, ch- check out tell your friends yeah we're in acquired taste and it would be great if more people could acquire it yeah like this week think about someone who you think would really dig the show who's like a you know the weird the scary person but who's like their heart seems good uh, uh, but they're a bit too much about you know films that contain fountains of blood I think yeah. they might engage they're probably got a name like uh, uh, like Coulson was like one of those names look if, 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 look, if you know Coulson recommend their podcast uh, recommend our podcast to them they'll probably enjoy it Are you, is there a real Coulson you're targeting no no okay, I, 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 I just think that, 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 that that's the sort of name that someone who would enjoy this I, I okay that's a suggestion the, the main thing to do is recommend the podcast Colson's welcome, but not only. It's no. not a no homers situation. Movies are good, even bad ones. Go, Go watch them. Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, no, like it, it's the tenth commandment. It's the bit where that prophet's walking along, and the kid's like, "Hey, Balder, you're so bald," and he's like, "Fuck you!" I'll get some beers, and so he <laughs> prays to God, and God sends some beers down, and the beers murdered like thirty-two kids. Um, and like, yeah, that shit, that shit rocks. <laughs> so someone, someone making John Wick about that guy who's selling beers. <laughs> oh no, okay, no, it's a good idea. I I, I do, no, I think for me the 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 coolest thing in the Bible is when Jesus, the Son of God, who is also directly actually God, uh, uh, 
it says explicitly, I don't give a shit what else you do. If you are rich and do not help other people, you will have to be a mic- microscopic to get into heaven, and that is impossible. It is, immo- I, God, think it is immoral for you to be rich. I like that fact. 